Before we pray and get into our passage for today, I want to explain myself. Um, it's, we had Easter last Sunday, so we stepped away from our study of Mark for Easter Sunday. I just felt more drawn to a different passage. Next Sunday is Power of Camp Sunday. I probably won't be in Mark next Sunday, and then I have something else in mind for May. Um, but I had planned on doing one more sermon in Mark for the spring, and it was just going to pick up where we left off. It was the passage where Jesus says, render under Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's. And obviously, it's a good passage. It's scripture. It's all good. It's all profitable. Um, but I have, as of yesterday, moved to a different passage. Have you ever been trying to boil water And so you turn a burner up all the way and you put your pot with water and then you realize after a while the pot's not getting hot at all because you put on the wrong burner. (laughs) Has that ever happened to anybody? Mark chapter 12 passage was sitting there all week and it just wasn't getting hot. Just I wasn't feeling anything toward it. And instead all the heat was on this second Corinthians passage that I was meditating on in my quiet times. So last yesterday I shifted the pot over to the second Corinthians passage and we'll see if it's going to come to a boil or not right now. Um, this will be maybe a little more devotional in nature because this is where this passage came from. Uh, but I've been, uh, in the way I read through the Bible, just personally, I have a couple of different places that I read through different genres of the Bible. And one of them is moving through Second Corinthians right now. And I've just been in chapter four for a couple of weeks and I just am remaining there. And it's been so rich and helpful to me. And so that's what I want to share with you this morning is this passage that's just really meant a lot to me lately. Um, But let's pray first. Would you pray with me? Father, it is just so peaceful to sit here and hear the rain on the roof and be with our brothers and sisters in Christ and have our Bibles open and be in your presence together. I'm just so thankful. Thank you that you let us do this. Thank you that you have brought us together like this through Christ and given us this relationship with you where we can talk to you together in prayer and listen to you together in your word and feel you transforming us and changing us. I'm just so thankful and I ask for your your blessings over this time, over your word, that you would speak to us in it clearly. Please help us to receive it and be encouraged by it and and filled up with your spirit to go out and be your people together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Um, So I I have shaped all my meditations on this chapter into four encouragements that I'd like to give to you. It's four encouragements for Christian ministers, if I were to title it. Now, I'm a Christian minister because I'm a pastor, but you all are Christian ministers, if you are a Christian, you are a minister. Okay, you do not receive the grace of Jesus Christ without also being commissioned out with it to other people. Okay, so this is for all of us as Christian ministers, those who have been called to Christian ministry together. And I emphasize Christian ministry because there are acts of service and kindness that are not Christian. And they're still good and helpful to people but they're, they don't bear the fingerprint of Jesus Christ. They're not motivated by that unique grace that we receive through Christ, wherein we're able to forget ourselves 
and genuinely love other people, and wherein we receive new goals, uh, no longer even just for the benefit of the people that we're ministering to, but for God's glory in those people. For them to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord and come to love this God that we love so much. This is Christian ministry that we're all called into. So whether you're the executive director of the Advent Christian General Conference, who he's not with us for that example this morning, or whether you're a superintendent, or whether you are a grandmother, or whether you are a a spouse, or whether you are a truck driver, a TV repair person, you have Christian ministry. You are given a, a post where you are to minister as a Christian to other people. And so I have four encouragements for you. And I want you to have your post in mind. What is the ministry God has called you to? I want you to get that in mind. Who are the people God has placed around you that he means for you to love and serve and nudge toward God through Jesus Christ? Let their faces come to mind. Let these arenas of responsibility come to mind. Because this is, this is practical. This is for you in your Christian ministry. So the first encouragement comes from first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Remember the mercy. Remember the mercy. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul writes, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Now, it's easy for us to, in the mundane aspects of our callings, forget just how glorious and awesome this thing is that God is doing in the world and that he allows us to be a part of. You know, just a, a verse or two in front of what we just read, Paul is talking about what God is doing in the world through Christian ministry, and he describes it like this. In uh, chapter 3, verse 18, he says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, there's a lot that needs to be explained in that, but you get a sense of this glory. A glorious God doing glorious things in us and through us. It's glorious, but I know sometimes in your ministry... The callings God has given you, probably sometimes it can begin to feel mundane and maybe even obligatory and not glorious. I just want to remind you, what God has swept us into is awesome. And we didn't get this privilege of being a part of it by our merit. So you being a Christian minister, you didn't earn that. It's not like a promotion at work. You didn't get it based on seniority. It's not like saving up for a long time to achieve something or purchase something. You have this ministry, I have this ministry, by God's mercy. You see, what we deserve is damnation. That's what we've earned through our works, is damnation. Eternity separated from God. Darkness. So that's where we begin. That's our beginning place, and that's what we deserve. And instead of that, God because he's so rich with grace and mercy, lavishes that grace and mercy on us through Jesus Christ. And he he doesn't just forgive us and pardon us from being damned. 
but he actually allows us the privilege of being a part of what he's doing in the world. Therefore, having this ministry, your ministry to your grandkids, your siblings, your neighbors, your co-workers, this church, this denomination, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Ministering in light of this helps us to not lose heart. It helps us to serve and minister full-heartedly. Why is that the case? Why would remembering the mercy behind the ministry enable us to serve without losing heart? I was watching a conversation between a famous comedian, Jerry Seinfeld, and a man named Lorne Michaels, who's the guy behind Saturday Night Live. Okay, this, don't, do not take this as an endorsement of all of Jerry Seinfeld's comedy or anything that you might see on Saturday Night Live. I just was watching this conversation between these two and and Jerry Seinfeld was telling Lorne Michaels about the first time he met Jimmy Fallon behind uh, on the set of Saturday Night Live. Jimmy Fallon was on Saturday Night Live as a comedian, and now he's a host of one of the late night shows. And Jerry Seinfeld said he came, and you know, all these comedians, you know, they have all this wide variety of personalities, but Jimmy Fallon was just different. He just seemed so enthusiastic and so excited and so humble. And he said, Lauren, I don't know if you remember me asking you, who is this kid? And you said, oh, that's Jimmy. He's just happy to be here. He's just happy to be here. And I've, I've heard Jimmy Fallon talk about it, too. He couldn't believe he got to be on Saturday Night Live. He grew up watching Saturday Night Live, and it was unbelievable to him that he got to be there. He was just happy to be there. He didn't have great expectations that he was going to be the star of the show. He was just so happy to be there. That's the quality that we gain when we remember the mercy behind our ministry. It's not an obligation. We're just happy to be here. We ought to be damned. But I get to serve you right here. I get to be a part of God transforming you by his glory. You you, when you're doing the nitty-gritty of your Christian ministry, you get to be there. When you didn't deserve to be. We're like people at a concert getting pulled up on stage with their favorite band. You know, they're doing all the hard work. We just get to be for a moment in this glorious thing that God is doing. So in your Christian ministry, I just want to encourage you. Remember the mercy. Remember the mercy that's behind you being able to minister. And it'll fill you with humility and and gratitude and it will enable you to endure the hardships of Christian ministry. The second encouragement, and this is so straightforward, but in your Christian ministry, state the truth about Jesus Christ. State the truth about Jesus Christ. And that comes from the, sec- the second verse. Verse 1, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Verse 2, But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. By the open statement of truth. We're not trying to be tricky. We're not trying to be cunning. We're certainly not doing any negative trickery, and we're not even trying to do any sleight-of-hand trickery in our Christian ministry. It's the open statement of the truth about Jesus Christ. 
That's where the power is. And that's all we're called to do. Openly state the truth about Jesus Christ to people. We tend to overcomplicate Christian ministry. And we overcomplicate it to the point where many people just feel unqualified. Like they're going to need years and years of seminary training before they can state the truth about Jesus Christ to someone. But that's just not the way it is. You know, Jesus chose the most ordinary disciples. People that just did not have the educational uh, background to be able to begin Christianity. I've been studying through Acts, and one of the biggest thing that, things that has stood out to me is just how simple those sermons were, those gospel proclamations. It was just Peter standing up before a crowd, openly stating the truth about Jesus Christ. This is who Jesus is. We crucified him. You need to repent, turn from your sins, and believe in him as your Savior. And everybody was like pierced down to their souls and undone and thousands coming. There was no flyers that went out ahead of time. There was no smoke machine behind him. There was no alliteration to his points. It was just, I'm Peter. I'm a fisherman. Jesus is the Lord and Savior. You need to believe in him. Open statement of the truth. Now, you can do that. You might be afraid to. And there's, there's relationships I have where I'm afraid to. But it's not because it's too complicated. It's, it's because I need the Holy Spirit to give me boldness. But what we're called to do is just openly state the truth about Jesus Christ. And we can do that. God has given us what we need to do that. It reminds me, when I think about how we complicate Christian ministry, of my, one of my counseling professors at Southeastern, Dr. Cat, Dr. Catanzaro. Um, I had him for several, for several counseling classes. I love the counseling classes. They're so practical. And it gets real complex when you start studying all these theories and stuff. And I, the main thing I remember taking away that I know he actually said is he said the bottom line is when you're trying to serve someone who has you know complex stuff going on, emotional struggles, relational struggles, sin struggles, the main thing you're doing is just listening for unbiblical thinking encountering it with biblical truth. And that's really all you can do. And that's really all you're called to do. And it just simplifies it all down. I don't have to be a wizard. I just have to openly state the truth. Because the power's not in me and my techniques and my trickery. It's in the truth of Jesus Christ. And we can do that. You can. I can. I think we tend to overcomplicate it because of what comes next in verses 4 and following. We bump up against, I'm sorry, in verses 3 and following, we bump up against things that are greater than our ability to conquer. Look at verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, covered up, obscured from sight, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, referring to Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What has to happen for a person to become a Christian? What has to happen for a person to become a Christian? 
I think we come to mind they need to trust in Jesus as their Savior. They need to follow Jesus as their Lord. They need to repent and turn from their sins. And those things are all true, and that's sort of what we can see happening. But here we get this glimpse of what, what has to happen on the spiritual realm. A blind person has to be transformed into a seeing person. Someone who has been blinded by the God of this world, who cannot see the glory of God in Jesus Christ, has to become able to see those things. And that's not something that we can bring about in our power. None of you can heal spiritual blindness. You can't do it. I can't do it. It doesn't matter how eloquent I am up here. I can't make a spiritually blind person see the glory of God in Jesus Christ in my power. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So when somebody becomes a Christian, it's... It's an act of creative, divine creative power on par with when he created light in Genesis chapter 1. The same God who said, let light come out of darkness, has to say in that person, let their eyes be open to my glory in Jesus Christ. And that's, that's miraculous stuff. So the essence of Christian ministry is openly stating the truth and trusting God to accomplish verse 6. Shining in their hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So remember the mercy behind your ministry. State the truth of Jesus Christ. The third encouragement, embrace your nature. Embrace your nature. And that comes from verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We need to embrace our clay jar nature and stop fighting against it so hard. We're like clay jars. The images of God having this this treasure of mercy and the knowledge of his glory and he's pouring it into jars. The jars aren't bejeweled and beautiful and gold and shining and remarkable. They're simple clay jars brittle, able to be cracked and chipped, not anything to look at. They're not works of art. Clay jars. And God does it this way on purpose. He designed us to be like clay jars on purpose so that his power is magnified in us, not our own. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. I used to, one of my jobs before I was a pastor, I worked at a a photography studio. And one of my roles there was to frame pictures and portraits. And over time, it became apparent that we really only sold two or three frames. Different thicknesses of either a plain black frame or like a wood grain looking frame. But they were very plain and very simple. We had these big ornate gold frames, but people didn't really want those. And the reason they didn't really want those, they wanted the simple ones, is because the frame isn't meant to look 
glorious. It's meant to display something that looks glorious. And that's what we're like as Christian ministers. We're not meant to look awesome. We're meant to display something that's awesome. The treasures of God through Jesus Christ, his mercy and his glory. So if you've been feeling any pressure to look awesome, let that fall away from you and embrace your nature as a clay jar. It's restful to do that. What does this look like in practice? I think we kind of see a glimpse of that in the verses that follow, starting at verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. The idea is that there's always this tension when you're engaged in Christian ministry. A tension between your clay jarredness and God's glorious treasure within you. And I would argue that if you're not experiencing this tension that we just read about, you're probably not engaged in Christian ministry. The tension between being afflicted in every way, yet not crushed. Being perplexed, but not driven to despair. Being persecuted, but not forsaken. Being struck down, but not destroyed. Experiencing this kind of death of dying to yourself, yet also at the same time, this new life in Jesus Christ. This tension is inherent in Christian ministry. So remember the mercy behind your ministry. Just simply state the open truth of Jesus Christ. Embrace your clay jar nature. And finally, the fourth and last one, transfer your weight. Transfer your weight. And that comes from verses 16 through 18 on down a little bit. Paul says again, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Sometimes I'm trying to leave the house, and I've got the kiddos with me. I try to get them in the van so we can leave. I don't want to be late. I'm saying, kids, get in the van. And they're awesome kids with active minds, so they're thinking about more than just the van. They're thinking about all kinds of stuff. They're thinking about our cat, Peanut. I want to pet him one more time before I get in the van. They're thinking about, what book am I going to read in the van? I'm going to run back in the house and get a book. They're thinking about the basketball over there and the basketball goal. I want to shoot a couple shots before I get in the van. And I'm saying, get in the van. Get in the van. And then we'll get them to the van. They'll have the door open. And they'll have one foot in the van, one foot still in the carport. And they'll be telling me a story or something. I'm like, okay, just, just get in the van. Get in the van. You can tell me the story in the van. Probably better than you can tell me the story half in the van. Just transfer your weight into the van. You've got one foot on the carport, one foot in the van. We just can't leave in this situation safely. Just transfer your weight all the way in the van. 
See, in your Christian ministry, God is not only trying to accomplish something in the people you're ministering to, he's trying to accomplish something in you. And he's sort of like the father trying to get his kids to get in the van, saying, just transfer your weight. Just stop looking at all the things that you see and all the things that are temporary and just look at the unseen, look at the eternal. Don't Stop being so focused on the outer appearances and look to the inner things. You're, we are straddling the two here, especially as modern American Christians. We're straddling the two, the seen temporary and the unseen eternal. And in all the affliction and all the turmoil and all the difficulty of ministering to people as Christians, God is whispering, just get in the van. Just take that foot off of the seen temporary and put all your weight in the unseen eternal. And one day that will fully come to fruition. It will always be a battle for us. One day it'll fully come to fruition. Paul goes on to talk about that. You know, the only time I've ever preached this passage has been at funerals. Because he goes on from this to talk about, you know, in the end, at last, we will have transferred all our weight into eternity. And it'll be great. Okay, but right now we're in, in the middle and we're, we're ministering as Christians in this constant tension between the seen and the unseen, the temporary and the eternal. Now, there's much more that needs to be said from this chapter that we won't be able to this morning. But I just want to offer you these four encouragements, these four encouragements that have been encouraging to me, remembering the mercy that's behind the fact that we get to minister to people. The simplicity of our calling simply just to openly state the truth. The, the refreshing reminder that we're given a nature as clay jars on purpose. We don't have to be the strong, glorious, powerful ones. And the encouragement to transfer our weight from the seen temporary to the unseen eternal. Now think back again to your post, your ministry. In light of these simple encouragements from God's word, I just, I guess the overall encouragement is don't lose heart. We can minister full-heartedly, even in the messiness of it. The imperfection of it is always going to feel imperfect. You're always going to feel inadequate. You are inadequate, <laughs> and, and so am I. And that's part of the beauty of how God designed it. But he's doing something glorious in us and through us and among us and in the world. And we get to be a part of it. It's crazy. So be encouraged. Let's go forth from here, Christian ministers together, and minister with full hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us a a quiet intimate Sunday together to just think about these things together. Lord, please help us to be filled with encouragement and humility and gratitude at the mercy you've given us and just lean into our various assignments. May we be fruitful. May we honor you and glorify you. May we benefit many people. Through us, I ask that you would bring many people to faith in your son, Jesus Christ, that you would shine the light of the knowledge of your glory in the face of Jesus Christ, into their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.